Blog Talk Radio. Madness, and it lived up to its name yesterday. Man, oh man, oh man, we saw some good games. We saw some lousy games. Uh, we just saw, I mean, we just saw a lot of brackets. I won't say get busted, but we saw some upsets. And then certainly, I think there was a lot of people that were upset as well that happened yesterday. We're going to have a great show on tap for you today, Adam Dividend Super. Uh, Ohio State fan uh, is standing by in the balanced green room to talk with us a little bit about Ohio State and its loss to Oral Roberts and other uh, said games that had some disappointing ends uh, as well. Also, Walt Ferber from WITZ down in Jasper and ESPN is going to be joining us uh, to talk with us about you know, more of the March Madness and the brackets and what's going on. Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast also joins us calling us from downtown Indianapolis. And then we're going to, we have not forgotten about NASCAR. We do have NASCAR lined up and ready to go with Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR uh, contributor. Uh, we'll be breaking down this week's action in Hotlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Sal Marcos El Presidente, and I tell you what, we're going to talk. We want if you want to talk about your your brackets, let us know nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. 
Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Minions, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digit. Let's get things rocking and rolling. Hopefully you got a cup of your Black Rifle coffee like I do right here. Blackbeard's Delight. That's what I've got this going on right now. Black Rifle coffee is so awesome because you buy a bag, you give a bag, and you only pay for one bag. And you give a bag to first responders, and you give a bag uh, to the troops, uh, the active duty troops. I have a friend whose son's in the Navy and deployed, and that's all they serve on the ship is Black Rifle Coffee. Joining us now is Adam Jividan from Super, super uh, Ohio State fan. Adam, I know you bleed deep with the Ohio State, but, man, what a disappointing loss it was yesterday. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, Tom. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. I can hear oh, you. Okay. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah, man. Can you hear me? Uh, okay. All right. Real good. So so let's uh, talk a little bit about this from the fans' perspective, and then we'll just uh, analyze some of the games that are going on. We know you're a huge Ohio State fan, and, you know, uh, we made, made the joke that it feels like oral surgery. I mean, really, if I've ever seen a team, and, and, and it could, we could insert name here, but really if you, if you have a team that could beat themselves like yesterday, Ohio State did exactly that. Yeah, I, I mean, goodness, from really bad, just careless turnovers to 
a team that normally shoots well from the free throw line going, I think, nine for 18, uh, to really bad shot management and clock management, uh, guys just hoisting deep threes, like six seconds into the shot clock, um, to just not closing out <laughs> three-point shooters when they are the best three-point shooting team in the country. Like, it, it was literally the definition of, like, just if it if you could think of the worst way to possibly play, Ohio State picked the worst time to easily play their worst game of the year. So, and when that happens, you're gonna lose. Like, you, it's the NCAA tournament. What do you think's gonna happen? You can't roll your your D game and just think that you're gonna get by. And that's that's what happened. Well, in an overtime loss, and certainly it was uh, one of a couple overtime uh, uh, games yesterday. And certainly they, they face Florida now, uh, or Roberts does, uh, moving forward. Now, I will say this, as impressed as I was with how well Ohio, I mean, uh, Oral Roberts played, as we just talked about, Oral Roberts played against a team not performing to its top. Uh, ability uh, with Ohio State we can expect that Florida especially with how they did they, how they did yesterday with Virginia Tech and how well Virginia Tech almost had them as well uh, we can expect that Florida uh, will turn it up a, a notch Florida has Oral Roberts coming up in round number two what are your thoughts yeah I mean I the thing about the thing about Oral Roberts that makes them a tough out is they have two players that that can go get buckets, uh, and they're going to be a tough out. Um, I think uh, I, I expect Florida to win the game. Um, I I just I feel like Ohio State really did several other things really stupid. One of them was refusing to. Uh, continue to go into the paint. Um, anytime that, that they would kick it down to EJ Liddell down low, um, EJ would get tracked or doubled, and and you can kick it out to the open shooter, or you can kick it, make that one extra pass, and then hit the guy on, on a baseline cut, and you have an open – they did it like twice, and every time it, it just worked to perfection. It worked how it should, and then they just forget that it existed. Um, so I, I, I expect Florida to, to use – the tape of hey guys, this is what Ohio State did poorly, and uh, and take it full advantage of the fact that Oral Roberts is a small team, and just and just pound it down low. And you know, not to throw salt in the wounds, I know that you're a Liberty guy, you're a Liberty uh, alumni. Man, we were excited about Liberty. I was excited about Liberty at the beginning of the season, uh, but they just couldn't hold it hold it to, together yesterday against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State uh, moves uh, on, and we'll get into who they play at Oregon State here in just a minute. Uh, but I mean, I don't know that I'm that disappointed. That I don't. I would say that I, the more biggest disappointing loss between the two between Liberty and Ohio State was Ohio State because I think Liberty did not do they had some mistakes but I don't know that there were any uh, deal breaker mistakes I mean it's just uh, the fact is uh, Oklahoma State was just the better team yesterday yeah and going I mean, into I the return I, I, mean, I would agree with that I picked I picked Liberty to win as as an alum uh, the, the the biggest thing with, with Oklahoma State is Oklahoma State, and, and, and this is this usually bears out in the NCAA tournament, 
teams that usually have the best player uh, generally, and I say generally because it's not always the case, do better. Um, you saw that, like if we think back years ago to the memorable Steph Curry run, right? Uh, Steph was the best player on the court at all times, and he helped uh, propel uh, them to, to heist the band, Davidson to heist they had never seen before. Oklahoma State will have the best player on the court in every game they play. That best player is Cade Cunningham. If you haven't watched a lot of college basketball, Cade Cunningham will be most likely the number one player selected in the upcoming NBA draft. He is like a 6'6 point guard uh, and, and can shoot. I mean, he's good. Shoot, pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can he can dribble that rock. I mean, it doesn't matter. If it can be done on the basketball court, Cade Cunningham can do it. Um, and he will always be the best player on the court, which is why – uh, ultimately, I mean, like I said, I picked Liberty to win. I hope that we could have some of this, the, the sustained shooting that we've had throughout the season. Um, just didn't have it. Um, but Kate Cunningham will be the best player on the floor at all times. And when you have that, you have a guy that you can give the ball to um, at the end of the game mm-hmm. who can go get buckets. That's, that's always a definitive advantage over your, over your uh, opponent. And that's what they have. No, you're absolutely – you're absolutely right about it. So, so excuse me. So, man, I'm I'm dying all over here. Uh, uh, but uh, Oklahoma State obviously beats Liberty, so they're going to take on Oregon State, uh, the Beavers, the uh, Cowboys, and and the Beavers. And but um, the the Oregon State. I, got there because they they played a very good game i think the more disappointing uh, i'm talking about another disappointing loss and that was tennessee and our our uh, social media director melissa is uh, a big tennessee fan but we watched that game here and you know there just wasn't nothing there just was nothing there it just seemed like they just couldn't get anything uh anything going at all what are your thoughts about the tennessee volunteers and the oregon state beavers I, I, I feel like, and this is anybody that listens to the show knows I'm not a fan of the SEC. Uh, sure. For lots of reasons, um, I think the SEC <laughs> in basketball, outside of the occasional Kentucky Wildcats team that's loaded with freshmen that will ultimately leave and then leave them trash for the next couple of years, uh, like we experienced this year, you can't trust any <laughs> SEC basketball team. You just can't. I, they, they, their their conference is traditionally pretty awful, and so the team that's the best play, team in the conference, or one of the best teams in the conference, is usually marginally better than maybe a mid level, a, a mid major team. So, I I look at Tennessee and I go, we see this every year. SEC teams historically historically get overranked. Because they're like, well, you know, this, this team won the SEC. And then they get bounced early. Um, and I'm saying that as an Ohio State fan. Who got bounced early? But, like, I get it. But you saw other Big Ten teams besides Purdue go win. And I think the Big Ten has two, two still two legitimate Final Four teams. Like, if there's not at least one Final Four team in the, from the Big Ten, I'm shocked. Um, possibly two. Um, and, and I think – that's the thing is, is that you look at Tennessee and I go, I don't know if Tennessee got really upset. I just think the SEC played at their level. Like, their best team um, 
there was well there, there was a point where both the SEC and the ACC had like one team ranked in the top 25. It's never happened before. Well, there was one time the ACC had nobody. Um, but but that's that's what we're looking at. The SEC is not a good basketball conference. They're just not. So I, I think the Tennessee played a team that, that that maybe from a talent perspective was about pretty close to each other, and Oregon State just wanted it more. We're talking with Adam Jividan, Super Ohio State fan. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about another, what maybe a bracket buster, that's for sure. Uh, the, the Mean Green, I mean, the Mean Green Machine put on what I maybe would consider, and you may not want to hear this, the second uh, glass slipper of the day by Alcine Out number uh, for Purdue. Again, a very good game, very tight game, an incredible ending to the game there. Uh, the, the second highest seeded uh, big team team uh, to, to fall into overtime. And you don't want to hear this, but the first uh, glass flipper, I think, went to Oral Roberts. We could look at North Texas also being one of those potential, uh, potential Cinderella teams, if you will. And they they may have a, something going their way to help them get into the Sweet 16. I'm not that confident in Villanova at this point, even though I have picked them in my brackets. Yeah, I, I mean, anytime you see that lower-seeded team pull the upset, you're like, oh, okay. And it's tough to go to notice or to, to, to know which ones can continue that. They can continue, like Loyola Chicago, what was that, last year? No, two years ago, because – Last year there was no tournament, uh, and if there was, probably <laughs> won. Um, but I, I mean, that's the thing is, is that you go, how how far can they carry this? You know, Purdue, uh, I'm Purdue and Ohio State. Well, here's here's the here's the thing that I'm both Purdue and Ohio State are very very similar in that traditionally throughout the year, the the sum of the parts was greater than um, the balance of the individuals, meaning that the Purdue team, same with Ohio State, were better, were a better team together than if, if you took any one of those five and played on one-on-one, you're like, well, you know, Ohio State's probably going to have two guys win, maybe, and three guys lose. Uh, but they played well together, and that's where if you can run into a team – that's got one or two really good players. Uh, and, and then Purdue just made some classic, you know, classic mistakes. Just, and, and this, this season, it's, it's going to be really hard to judge who's the COVID, like who has handled this COVID era, this COVID year. Well, uh, I'm, I'm actually curious from a talent perspective, big 10, the big 10 was the most, was the, was the best team in the in the league or excuse me, the Big Ten was the best conference in the country throughout the season. The question that I'm going to run into is the Big Ten also played more games than everybody else. Are they just going to start running out of gas? Um, which is kind mm-hmm. of how it, it felt. Like I know Ohio State played in the end, like had a, had, a, had a run of our last five games were just murder headed into the Big Ten tournament where we then went to the finals. So, I mean, I don't know. So you have, like, an injury to a key player. Is your team just or, – or just guys out of sync, is that team just running out of gas for, for, versus teams that, that, that have had a week, week and a half off? Um, I don't know. That, that's something that's, that's 
that I'm going to keep an eye on, um, but we'll see. You know, you mentioned that there should be at least two legit Final Four teams in the Big Ten left standing, and and I think I I would say that we're we're both in agreement on this. I I would think we would think Illinois because they're pretty legit. The other one also is Iowa. I don't know that we're going to see both of those in the Final Four. I've not put either one of them in the Final Four at the same time. I have put one of the other ones in the final four in one of my brackets. I've also in one of my brackets have Iowa winning it all. Uh, but I think those would be the two legit teams you're talking about that shouldn't ha- that are final four potential anyway. I, I mean, there's, there's three, there's three, pop, there's three candidates. Uh, and, and the other one is that team up North. Now they're missing livers. Uh, who was their second leading scorer, mm-hmm. but they're still a really good squad. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, I mean, I get back to the, the statement with Cade Cunningham. Iowa will almost every game have the best player on the court in Luca Garza. Luca Garza is a monster. And Iowa like is the most efficient offensive team in the country. It's all going to come down to, for Iowa, how do the officials, how do the officials um, blow whistles for and or against Luca Garza. Um, if this is one of those tournaments where you get like some small school or small conference refs that get whistle happy anytime anybody you know, like breathes on somebody down low, Iowa could be in trouble. But they have a they've got dudes that can score. Um, and, and so from that perspective, I look at Iowa and go, yeah, they are they are a squad that can that can get things done. Um, because they can beat you so many ways. They can shoot well. They move the ball well. Um, they, they, can move, they can play slow. They can play with pace. It doesn't matter what style um, you want to play. Iowa can not only match it, but probably do it better. Um, the thing with Iowa is just going to come down to can they get stops. Um, it, Ohio State played Iowa twice this year. Um, Ohio State once won, won once in their building, and they won once in ours. And uh, in the first game where we won, uh, it was a tight game. Um, Garza and Liddell were battling down low. Second game, they shot really well and blew the doors off of us. So uh, I, if that <laughs> shows up, that's the team that could win it all. Um, Illinois, Illinois, this is the best team Illinois has had since like 2003 when they had a team that, that made it all the way to the finals and got – totally hosed um, by the refs against Sean May uh, and that North Carolina team um, that, won the, that won the title. But Illinois is just deep. They're deep. They are athletic. Um, uh, they've got A.O. Uh, Dorwamu, who is just real good. Uh, he's a, he, he, he's a, he'll be an NBA three, um, and he's just – Again, he, similar to some of these other guys, he can shoot, he can he can penetrate, he can get to the get to the hole. They play really, really good, stifling defense, um, and they've got kids that want it. Best Illinois squad in a while. I I think yeah. I I feel like if you're like, hey, I feel like Iowa and Illinois are both making deep runs. You are you have good company because they probably will. <clears throat> Talking with Adam Jividen, super Ohio State fan, uh, college basketball, college football extraordinaire when it comes to uh, the Buckeyes. You know, let's talk about, well, 
let's say I think everybody, probably 90% of whether you did one bracket or five brackets or what have you, you had at least one bracket with Gonzaga going all the way to win it all. And I am no, and I'm not any different than that as well. One of the paths I took was uh, uh, Gonzaga, Missouri, Gonzaga beating Missouri and Gonzaga beating UCSB. And then to get uh, into the, to, to the final stretch, if you will, uh, is Gonzaga to beat Iowa. Made jokes yesterday about t- uh, t- today Oral Roberts, tomorrow why not uh, why not Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon uh, plays Iowa uh, today. One would think that would be a pretty uh, easy slope, if if you will, but. Um, if that were to happen, if let's play the doomsday scenario here, we might as well just wrap up all of our brackets and, and go and, and watch Netflix. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, I saw a thing this morning that said only after Ohio State and Purdue lost, less than 1% of the brackets in the country are still perfect. That's right. I was like, ah, that didn't take long. I saw um, – I, 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 I saw on CBS, they posted a thing saying that in their brackets, in CBS, there's only one perfect bracket left. Yeah, that's just after round one. That's, that's not even <laughs> round one. After round one. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, Gonzaga, I, I picked Gonzaga to win. Um, I want Gonzaga to win. Mark Few uh, is – in case you're – you didn't realize this because you see Gonzaga year over year, and usually those those small schools lose their coaches. Not Mark Few and Gonzaga. Mark Few has had NBA team after NBA team and massive school after massive school after massive school come after him. And he is he is still the same guy that led Gonzaga to their original Cinderella run years ago. I think I was in middle school, and it's still the same dude. And Mark Few has – he does it the right way. Uh, you never see any questions of NCAA allegations against them. They just do things, and, and they play good basketball. They play good team basketball. And Gonzaga is a hard beat because they can, similar to Iowa, they can beat you in a myriad of different ways, and they're, they're going, you're going to get their best game every game. They don't, they don't take nights off. Uh, if they have a bad game, their bad game is still probably better than than your than your best game um, because they've got so many pieces that they can move and play with that that they can um, they can get it done. And a, and a major difference too with this particular Gonzaga team is now Gonzaga is starting to recruit big not not like big time NBA potential talent. Gonzaga's done it, and they've had maybe one guy here or there, um, whether that was Adam Morrison a few years ago or Hachimura um, just a couple years back. Uh, They would have, like, one guy. This Gonzaga team has, like, three, and they are recruiting more. Uh, And and I just think that that's going to be the case. I'd love to see Mark Pugh get his title um, because he's a a great coach, great guy, and and I think he deserves it. Adam, real quickly, before we uh, let you go here, uh, 
Texas Tech wins at Assembly Hall. I made a joke uh, to you offline that it's good. And well, actually, I made it on Twitter too. Uh, but uh, it's good to see a team in red and white finally do well at Assembly Hall. First of all, thoughts on the Texas Tech win. A pretty good win there for Texas Tech. Uh, and it certainly solidifies them as a, certainly a, a very much of a contender in the uh, tournament. Uh, but also, let's look at the scenario that Chris Beard very well might be the next coach there at Assembly Hall. Yeah, I, I mean, Texas Tech is Texas Tech is, is, is a solid team. I They've had, I mean, they had the, the team just uh, two tournaments ago. It's weird because it's three years with two tournaments uh, that went to the finals. Uh, they put together good teams that uh, know how, they know their weaknesses, and they just continue to, they always fly under the radar, and then you'll, like, look up and you're like, oh, hey, Texas Tech has lost, like, six games this year, and they're just beating the crap out of everybody. Um, so, yeah, I, I Texas Tech's, I'd have to double check their region, um, but but they are just they're a team that will not beat themselves. They won't do, frankly, what Ohio State did yesterday. Um, if you beat them, that means that they gave them uh, you gave them your best game, and they probably put forth their best game, and you just came out on top that day. Um, as far as IU goes, IU and IU fans need to get a, a rude awakening, like. Brad Stevens is not walking through that door. You're not going to no, get he's not. No, he's not. Steve but, Alford's not walking through that might, door. <laughs> you, might, you might get Rick Pitino because Rick Pitino's at Iona. But, like, you're not going to get – Rick Pitino's the only big name that might take that job right now um, because, again, he's at Iona. You're talking about Brad Stevens is with the Boston freaking Celtics. And you think he's going to leave to go to who hasn't won a big – IU hasn't won the big tournament like – Oh, they had they had like the Cody Zeller run, but okay, like Ohio State has more <laughs> Big Ten conference wins than IU in a sport that we don't care about until football season is over, and football season starts for us uh, in freaking March. But we have, there were probably more right, Ohio State fans that were coming to Ohio State workouts than that. So like, IU has to recognize who is coming through that door. Chris Beard would be. Adam, I know your trigger points. I should have pushed the buttons early as opposed to later, but we we got to move on. But I appreciate you joining us today, buddy. All right, man. Tom, you guys have a good one. Enjoy the madness, and we'll talk soon. Listen, listen. Yes, we will, sir. We'll talk with you soon. Adam Jimenez, Super Ohio State fan, and I tell you what, he's fun to to listen to once you get him all wound up. But we don't have a lot of time today because we'll be back with the one and the only Walt Ferber going to continue to break down yesterday's games and as we move into round two right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all I'm only human I can't believe it I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barber shark quartet Bob
bum 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 Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Welcome back to The Balance. You, Adam Jividen, super Ohio State fan, for joining us and helping us break down that disappointing loss yesterday. I know it did feel like oral surgery. See what I did there. Joining us now is Walt Ferber from WITZ down in Jasper and ESPN+. Plus. Walt, welcome back to The Balance. How are you, sir? Uh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So uh, let's pick up where we left off. You, you may heard the tail end of the last segment there, and then we'll get into yesterday's game. But certainly IU uh, separates company with Archie Miller. Uh, no particular uh, surprise there, not really the shocking news of, of the world, if you will. But we, you also heard uh, Adam, who's a big Ohio State fan, so he's a little bit uh, biased. Uh, but he did, you know, he's right. We're not going to get those big names. I don't think we're going to get Steve. Alfred, you're a big IU guy. You certainly follow a lot of IU. You know a lot about the IU program. What are, what are your thoughts? What's going on down there in Bloomington? And as we talked about yesterday offline, Chris Beard very well could be the next coach there at Assembly Hall. But yeah, it, it's very, very possible. And, you know, it, it all depends on what you're talking about being as a big name. Uh, I think Scott Dolson 
basically, you had the job to call Brad Stevens. I mean, that was at the top of the list. You were pre- pretty certain that he wasn't going to leave the Boston Celtics to come to Indiana. And, uh, you know, as far as Steve Alford, I love Steve. He's one of my favorite players that have played there. But your, your buddy from Ohio mm-hmm. State called him a big name. In the coaching rank, Steve Alford isn't a big name. He, he the, the last place he was at with UCLA, and he was asked to leave the premises there. Uh, he was let go at Iowa. So, uh, you know, he is an IU person, but uh, but I do not think that Alford would be on probably any list that Indiana University would, would have now. Uh, I think there are some quite uh, – quite good names that uh, that are possibly up to be the next IU coach bearded uh, Texas Tech would would certainly would certainly be one and uh, another name that's popped off that uh, that uh, as uh, my buddy up and in, in, in Indianapolis uh, Kent Sterling said checks all the boxes is Keith Smart uh, he's coached in the N- mm-hmm. certainly in the NBA and the G League. He's got college coaching experience, so so Keith Smart would certainly be a possibility. Mr. Beeline, who's with the the Big Ten Network, has been uh, has been brought up. He had had a was a successful coach in Michigan. Uh, didn't have quite as much luck with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you know, he is I think one of the the main people that I that I see is, is a possibility there. And there are four or five other names that would, would be possible too. But uh, I think that uh, your Ohio State buddy was right in that uh, Indiana University fans need to have a little more realistic expectations of what to expect. I don't necessarily think that Indiana University is a top, top-tier job, like, say, the University of Kentucky or North Carolina, but it's still a very, very good job. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a good job because of the resources that are there. They have uh, one of the highest recruiting budgets uh, in the country. Uh, they have an, an excellent fan base. So for the right person in the right time, they could possibly turn this thing around, but it's not going to happen overnight. And I've actually been pretty impressed by the way uh, Coach Dolson, I mean that uh, Mr. Dolson has handled things at uh, at IU with his first big hiring in this, and uh, we'll just have mm-hmm. to see the way the way it flows. And right now, certainly no news is good news, and I still wouldn't put anything out of the realm of possibilities. And I don't think anything would surprise me, including at the end of this, if it's a long search, if Brad Stevens doesn't walk through the door. Uh, Because uh, uh, if you look up in Boston right now, uh, the Celtics are maybe the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference, and there are people wanting Stevens' head in Boston. And, uh, you know, Danny Ainge is a little bit on the hot seat there, so... Nothing would surprise me at this juncture in time, and I'm just looking forward to see who the next coach is going to be. Yeah, you know, absolutely right. And, you know, let's move into these games. And I'm going to be monitoring this real close because, obviously, I'm an IU guy. And, you know, as much as I 
Love to see Purdue get beat. Yesterday, the big green machine just really put on what I would consider the second glass slipper of the day. And, and of course, obviously, the first being Oral Roberts. I think two of those, if we're going to have a Cinderella team, maybe those are the two that, that, that we're looking at. What are your thoughts about that disappointing loss to North Texas? And I think they line up well because, you know, Villanova got a win yesterday. We'll give them that. But I wasn't that enthused by their win. And, 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 and I, I will I will follow the cross on this on some of my brackets. I had Nova going all the way to the final four, but they weren't showing me that last night. So I mean North Texas and Oral Roberts certainly seem to have right now a good path. Well, I'm I would put it this way. Villanova, first of all, is playing without their top scorer who was injured uh, about two weeks before the end of the season. So the fact that they mm. were able to get uh, a win over Winthorpe, that, that is something. A lot of people had that as as, as, a, as an upset for Winthorpe. And, you know, Villanova did come up with the win in that bracket. As far as the Purdue game with North Texas, uh, I you know, I think it was more Purdue throwing a clanker. As, uh, during every basketball season, especially when you're, you're working in a season with an international pandemic, uh, you're going to have a clanker here or there. And certainly Purdue picked a bad time to have their clanker. Uh, Purdue runs through Trevion Williams, and he just picked a bad time to have his worst game of the season, though he did come on, come on strong in the, in the second half. And uh, I have a, a lot of respect uh, myself for Matt Painter. I, I got a chance to meet him at a coaches conference a number of years back, the year before he took the Purdue job, and was extremely impressed with him. Then he's an extraordinarily uh, genuine uh, uh, fellow. He's very, was been very very nice to my family. I've been very impressed with the way he coaches his squads up at Purdue. He develops his players there. Uh, they're always a lot better when they leave than when they get there. He, he doesn't get the, the five-star athletes, but certainly makes the best of, of, of what he has. Now, as, as an aside, uh, and you, I remember talking to him many, many years ago, when he was in high school, his des- actual desire back in those days was to go to Indiana University. Uh, Bob Knight at that time did not recruit him. So it is. It, it's not out of the realm of possibility that if he went to IU, that he could actually be the Indiana University coach now. But uh, it was certainly good fortune for Purdue that he went there. He had a great playing career for the Boilermakers and took over for the legend Gene Cady, and in 16 years has done an outstanding job. Uh, I happen to think this was one of his better coaching jobs. That Purdue team went as far as it did. They have more freshmen on that team than any team in the Big Ten. So they're going to be they're going to be better certainly next year. And uh, they just picked a bad time to throw their uh, their clank around last night against uh, against North Texas. And certainly, congratulations to them. That's their first ever NCAA win. But the one thing you got to look at with them in the Conference USA Tournament, they played four games in four days. So when you talk about that and add the fact that they, they had the overtime game with, with Purdue, uh, you know, unless they're superhuman, they're going to be tired. They're going to be running on fumes. So that may give Villanova certainly a, a, a little bit of an advantage. And uh, I'll be very, very interested to see what happens in 
in uh, in that game between uh, between uh, Purdue and Villanova. You know, a game that we watched pretty closely here was uh, Tennessee and Oregon Oregon State yesterday. Uh, uh, Melissa, our social media director, is a big uh, Tennessee Vols fan. We as fans of Tennessee were disappointed, but I just think that Tennessee just did not – they just couldn't get their engine started, and, and that's why we saw Oregon State, uh, you know, you know, take take the win there uh, against uh, Tennessee. So we'll that's certainly probably see. one of that's one of the ones right. that surprised me as as much as any yesterday. Thought Rick Barnes has done an excellent job at the, the University of Tennessee. Uh, they've certainly played well in what was a tough Southeastern Conference this year. But uh, you're going to see some some fluke games this year because of the pandemic, and you know everybody's not necessarily playing on an even playing surface. Some teams have had pauses because of of, of the virus. Uh, teams are missing players here and there, but the Oregon State win kind of surprised me, and that was one that certainly helped bust my brackets. Well, all of my brackets aren't completely busted, but I certainly had some damage uh, done yesterday. What were your thoughts about Rutgers getting that win over Clemson? That was kind of a, an upset, a surprise upset to, to me anyway. Well, Rutgers, sadly enough, I saw them twice against Indiana this year, and uh, they they have some excellent ball players. They especially played well at home. Uh, the loss to Clemson hurt me personally. Uh, because one of my very best friends is uh, is an assistant or associate head coach at Clemson. That's Marty Simmons, who nice. is the coach at the University mm-hmm. of Evansville and led them to a number mm-hmm. of successful campaigns. Uh, they had the, the Hemingway kid from the, down here in southwestern Indiana that got into the starting lineup toward the end of the year. Uh, I thought... Uh, for the most part, and I get a chance to catch up with with uh, Coach Simmons on a fairly regular basis. Yet, I honestly, I thought Clemson kind of overachieved. I thought that team played very, very well. Uh, I had Clemson winning that one more out of my heart than my head. But uh, Rutgers is one of those ten seeds that people better look out for because uh, they have some versatility. They have some people that can attack the rim. Uh, they have some versatility with being able to shoot outside well also, and they play outstanding defense. So Rutgers may be a team to look out for. Sorry my Clemson Tigers uh, lost there and uh, felt bad for my, my old buddy Marty Simmons, but uh, but uh, Rutgers has got a good ball club. Yeah, they do. And you always, you know, my, my friend Derek Schultz, you probably know him as well. He always calls it Rucker because he said they never learned, earned the S. Maybe they did earn the <laughs> S uh, yesterday. yesterday. I, I'm, I'm not sure. We make jokes about some of the upsets. And so we saw, you know, some really big upsets yesterday. Let's look into, uh, looking forward into today's game. Uh, one of the jokes that we made yesterday offline with some of my friends was, hey, uh, you know, Tony Donahue also said the same thing. He says, uh, you know, uh, uh, Oral Roberts today, Grand Canyon tomorrow. Why not? I mean, Iowa's got a great path, and, and they're going to meet Gonzaga, and I think that's probably where they're going to end up uh, eliminating. I do have Iowa, I must say, uh, with over in John's uh, JMV's uh, bracket, I have Iowa going all the way. So I must say that I'll, I'll, at least I have them picked one of the ways. 
two things going on here. Let's 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 talk about Iowa. I think there's we talked about this in the last segment. I think there's two legit Final Four Big Ten teams. Maybe uh, Michigan could throw in that mix, but certainly Illinois and Iowa are the two Big Ten teams that have a legit shot at getting to the Final Four. But if Iowa gets there, they're going to have to get past Gonzaga because, I, and, and my gosh, if Gonzaga falls today, we might as well just rip up our, our uh, bracket to go watch Netflix or something. <laughs> well, well uh, you know, Iowa's got a heck of a team. Uh, Geyers is certainly one of the top players in the country. There's, there is no doubt about that. Uh, and I think the, when it gets to it, the Iowa-Gonzaga matchup will be uh, somewhat interesting. I do have in, uh, in, in the brackets that I am in, including, including yours, of course, Tom, I've got Illinois going all the way. Uh, I've been impressed by what I've seen with, with, with Illinois. They've got versatility. Uh, and I keep up Jeff Alexander, who is on Coach Simmons' uh, staff at the University of Evansville, one of the top assistants for Coach Underwood at Illinois. And uh, I, I've been very, they've been very impressed with the Illini. They certainly play excellent defense. They have athleticism. Uh, they're bulked up. They they have some pretty strong looking looking fellas there that uh, that you wouldn't want to mess with. But uh, but uh, you know Iowa Gonzaga would be an excellent matchup when when that came up. And uh, we'll just have to to wait and see what happens. Grand Canyon is one of those universities that is. Uh, maybe one of the better universities overall that no one has heard of. Uh, They are very, very well funded as far as their athletic programs. They started being an online university, but uh, they have, I know, an excellent volleyball program. I've got a neighbor down here in Holland, Indiana, whose daughter uh, played volleyball for them. Mm -hmm. Her granddaughter, I rather, played volleyball for them at Grand Canyon. They have one of the top volleyball programs in the country, they're kind of a sleeping giant, and they're one of those universities that I think you're going to hear a whole lot more about coming up in the next few years. And right now, they're not a well-known name, but they're going to become one. Let's look at some of the today's games, and we'll see we'll see where the brackets go. We still got you here for a few minutes. We're talking with Walt Ferber from WITZ down in Jasper at ESPN Plus. Uh, certainly the voice of the Evansville Aces, uh, and a lot of other great uh, broadcasts that he does and has done for many many years. Georgetown, Colorado. Uh, certainly, here's another that 12-5 seed that people look at being a, as an upset. And, and I have my official upset bracket, and that's one of my brackets where I try to predict all the upsets, and I do have this in, in an upset. Uh, but if you're logically speaking, and if you're probably one of the normal people in the world, you're probably going with Colorado in this game. Oh, I, I have Colorado in my bracket. I, that That's one of those ones. But I, one thing I have learned over the years, uh, never go against Patrick Ewing. He uh, he uh, got his Georgetown True. Hoyas to play well in the Big East Tournament. To, to win that tournament, and he's a very imposing character. He knows a lot about the game of uh, basketball. One of the things that shocked me 
is uh, in the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden, the security people uh, were going to throw him out because he didn't have his credentials with him. And I can't believe that probably the best-known person to ever play in Madison Square Garden, Uh at least probably one of the top two, uh, Patrick Ewing, was not known by the Madison Square Garden people. But he does a heck of a job, and that's a Georgetown team that may be peaking late and could be a problem, though I do have Colorado winning that game. You know, I was I was listening to one of the national broadcasts this week, and they were talking about Georgetown having a great defense. It was actually Clay Travis. I don't know how often you get a chance to listen to him. Uh, but it was talking about uh, Georgetown having a great defense, and he goes, well, of course they do. They're, they're a bunch of lawyers. That's where he went to law school at. So that was uh, kind of the, the joke there. Uh, but uh, so Florida State, uh, number four Florida State, uh, and uh, certainly coming up when we get into our NASCAR talk, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest is a Florida State guy. Florida State alumni, but I think all Florida State fans, if you're a Seminole guy, you're okay with the the number four seed. You would think that you get through uh, today and and move on to round two. Uh, Leonard Hamilton has been one of the most outstanding coaches in the country for a long time. Uh, They have been a very, very good team year in and year out, and they're one of those teams you don't hear a whole lot about. Yeah, I like Florida State in that game today, and you, you never, uh, never should be surprised if you see, if you see that team advance because uh, they play good, solid, fundamental basketball, and they play good defense. You know, another game that I'm going to be watching today, and this is probably going to be one of the best matchups of the day as far as for our first round game goes, and that's St. Bonavere and LSU. That game is a must-watch this afternoon. Well, LSU is something. I had the opportunity to watch uh, Alabama and LSU in the Southeastern Conference Championship game, and the athleticism that both teams posed in that game was certainly was certainly something else. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that I would pre- perceive to pretty much be a, a mismatch there, but you never know. Uh, I thought uh, certainly – uh, Purdue was, and I figured Ohio State was going to, to win theirs easily. So, I mean, I'm going strong with LSU, and they could make a good run. But in this year, you certainly never know. You know, another game that we could possibly see an upset as far maybe not we won't call it a bracket buster, but we'll certainly call it an upset. And uh, uh, that I look at this number 12, number 5 matchup between UC. Uh, SB and Creighton. I look at this UCSB as a team that can do some damage today. That's that's possible. Uh, Creighton is though a solid club inside and out. I got to see they were a former member of the Missouri Valley Conference, where I do a lot of my uh, a lot of my business with. Uh, they always have uh, a good good outside shooting team. When you live by the three, you die by the three. So. You know, I would be uh, going for the Blue Jays in that, but I wouldn't be stunned at that to 12-5 upset. Well, certainly the game of, of, I won't call it the game of the day, but everybody wants to see Gonzaga, but you're going to have to stay up late tonight because uh, it doesn't tip off till 9-20. Uh, Gonzaga, Norfolk State, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, Gonzaga's going to win that one pretty easily. That's past my bedtime, so I probably will not yes. be uh, will not be awake for that. But I will tell you, I am looking forward to this is a big day. This is semi-state day 
and uh, boys high school mm-hmm. basketball in the state of Indiana. And I'm looking forward to two big games in my neck of the woods. Uh, a little later on today, I'm going to see Bar Reeve uh, play game number one, the top-ranked Vikings going up against Tinley and uh, Southridge Raiders. That's where both of my sons played, uh, Southridge in their first semi-state since 1986, and they've got Park Heritage. So one of the cathedrals in southern Indiana, Hatchet House in Washington, I'm certainly looking forward to taking a little time out of NCAA action to watch uh, (laughs) watch the high schoolers play today. We've been talking with Walt Fervor, WITZ, down in Jasper. Certainly a legend in southern Indiana, for sure, uh, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, what are your thoughts? So this is something new that we, obviously we didn't have a March Madness last year. This year we've got it in a quasi-bubble, uh, you know, sp- spread out between, you know, the, the fairgrounds, Lucas Oil, uh, Conseco, uh, certainly uh, Assembly Hall, uh, Mackey, but certainly basically everything happening within the close proximity of Indianapolis. How do you think that the NCAA has handled the the tournament? Do we think that we're going to have a problem of COVID? For example, let's just use this as an, as an extreme example. But let's just say Gonzaga gets all the way to the championship game and then tests as positive. They can't play. So we, we look at an alternative team to play that. Do we think that that's going to happen? Is it contained enough to keep you think to keep that from happening? Anything's possible. Uh, I think the NCAA's done a very, very good job. They've gone to lengths to uh, to get the, the seasons in this year. There have been some stoppages. But for actually uh, doing this thing, and, you know, I'm 65 years old, and I've never dealt uh, with uh, a year-and-a-half span where we've dealt with an international pandemic. I think they've done a good job in keeping the, the teams pretty close together. Uh, in Indianapolis, you've got uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, and the Indiana Farmers Coliseum that are all great places to play. And then you can add uh, Assembly Simon Scott Assembly Hall in Bloomington and Mackey Arena in Lafayette. Those are all places that uh, would be good to, to hold a tournament any time. And I know I was happy to see games back at Hinkle for the first time in 80 years yesterday. But, you know, it is, yes. and this is one of those things that we can't let the cart get too far out in front of the horse. Uh, we take it and enjoy it a day at a time and uh, certainly get through as far as we have. And, you know, there was no guarantee we would get to the point we've gotten, but uh, but we've gotten to where we're at right now. And I'm just going to um, to enjoy a day of basketball today whether it be high school or college, and if I have the opportunity to do that tomorrow, we'll do the same thing then. But, oh, it's certainly possible that something could happen. And you're thinking Gonzaga's going to make it there. You know, Gonzaga's got a couple of games they got to play before sure. they would get to You're right. I'm making a lot of assumptions, though. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I'm certainly going to to enjoy the tournament, and we'll enjoy seeing yep. the next Indiana University basketball coach is. And, I will enjoy watching Bar Reeve and Southridge this afternoon. It's a, a great day. Springtime is on the way. I'm looking forward to calling uh, a, a game on ESPN Plus, uh, Evansville and Loyola of Chicago tomorrow. So a, gr- a great weekend coming up. 
Jasper baseball and softball start next Saturday. And uh, between radio and TV, I've got about 70 softball and baseball games coming up the next couple of months that I'm certainly looking forward to. And God has blessed me greatly, including Tom getting to talk to you on a Saturday. No, absolutely. I mean, the the, the blessing is all is all mine. Uh, well, we appreciate we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work in masterpieces, sir? Well, well, you can catch me at uh, at wizamfm.com. Uh, you can catch me on Purple Aces Productions with University of Evansville Television and any number of sports that they have there. You can catch me on the IHSAA Champions Radio Network and on the ISC Television Network. So looking forward to seeing and hearing from you uh, over a number of places and looking forward to a great spring. All right, Walt. Walt Forever, we appreciate you joining us. You have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy some basketball. I certainly will. Thank you. Walt Ferber, man, certainly one of the guys that's been around for many, many years, a, a true high-level professional in his career, and always an honor to have him on uh, the show with us. He knows his stuff, especially when it comes uh, to basketball, WITZ down in Jasper, ESPN Plus, the voice of the Evansville Aces, been around for a long, long time. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente, 917-889-8516. We'll be right back. It's just me and you, as Tony Donahue apparently has no voice. And so either either that or he's just hung over. I don't know, but he is downtown Indianapolis, and I can understand why he would not have a have a voice. So you got a, my voice, my lovely voice, uh, for the next thirty, and then on, and then we will have Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest breaking down the race at Hotlanta, and also getting his thoughts on some of the bracket action. It is March Madness. We're getting ready to still continue round one today. And we'll see how how the brackets uh, come out on the other side. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. No, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwah Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been past their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Tournament, uh, as we see, who goes into round two, happening right here in and around uh, Indianapolis, where we're located, high atop the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. We were scheduled to have Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Uh, he's lost his voice. He's downtown Indianapolis, so understandable why. We won't make any jokes about it. 
it, that him not having a voice. Maybe he's hung over. I don't know. Maybe he's not. But, hey, he's downtown Indianapolis. Uh, we'll see. So, you know, we were talking with Adam Jevedin, super uh, Ohio State fan, and, and talking with him about the loss of uh, two Oral Roberts. And one of the, that one of the huge uh, upsets that we saw yesterday, and certainly the first day of the Vincent NCAA tournament, uh, certainly returned with the madness that uh, we certainly have grown to expect uh, over the years. And that's one of the reasons that we get so excited about it, because we want to see what happens. I think we, we enjoy more uh, of the first round and second round, maybe than what we do with the other ones. Uh, uh, Friday's first round March Madness action gave us a number 15 seed upsetting the number two, a number 13 upsetting the number four, a number 12 upsetting the number five, and a number 11 upsetting the number six. All of that in one day. And as we as we saw, as, as I mentioned earlier, I saw that CBS had said those people within their bracket, there's only one person who still has a a uh, uh, has a bracket, if you will, and that's just after one day. I, I know I don't have a perfect bracket, and I, we saw brackets get busted all over the place. Uh, those those bracket busting upsets are perci- precisely, I should say, what put Madness in March with the single elimination format. I love it. I think it's great. I think that we should be able to do that in in other type of tournaments uh, as as well. But uh, with, with the elimination format, and what that does is the opportunity to deliver a huge, brutal blow on the higher big city uh, Big Ten uh, teams at the tourney, for example. There are also all of those teams that that are set out to prove the doubters. Hey, I can do it. I can do this. And we call those people Cinderellas. And I think I witnessed – Two uh, possible Cinderella teams uh, yesterday, and that's uh, let's talk about what we think they might be and what we define maybe as a Cinderella. And we remember, you know, several years ago, back when Butler did it, we could name several Cinderellas over the years. We can remember Loyola of Chicago just a few years ago. Basically, a team uh, comes basically from. Nowhere, if you will, nobody really know much about the organization, knowing much about the school or about their athletic program, and you know, get some really big wins. And what we saw happen yesterday that began to take shape. Uh, what I think is a couple of Cinderella teams that I that I think might happen, and one of those teams is Oral Roberts. Uh, Oral Roberts obviously uh, won in overtime. Oh, I had to get some of that Black Rifle coffee. Blackbeard's delight. Buy a bag, get a bag. Pretty good coffee, man. But Oral Roberts, I think, and is this year Cinderella, as I was talking, I digressed with my Black Rifle coffee. The Golden Eagles became just the ninth, ninth number 15 seed in NCAA tournament history uh, to – uh, eliminate a, a number two seed uh, with, I mean, it was a pretty good win. I, I know that uh, Adam and I talked offline in that 75-2 win over Ohio, Ohio State, uh, they, but Ohio State, they beat themselves and they did not play to their potential. And the thing about it is you can't expect to win a game of hitting 50% of your free throws against 
a team that literally is the best free-throwing team in the nation. Uh, so that's that's what happens, and, and because of that, I just think that we that that um, Oral Roberts has a good path. We'll see. We'll see what happens. They're obviously going to go up against Florida again. Florida had a tight run against Virginia Tech. Uh, that was a, another close game. Another one that we looked at there. I think that it will be very difficult for Oral Roberts to get past Florida. But if they do, if they do, they might be able to head all the way up to the Elite Eight and might be one of our our uh, Cinderella's. It's been one of two. The other one, obviously, quite clearly, and we talked with Walt about it just in this last segment, and that is North Texas. North Texas has never won an NCAA March Madness game ever. Uh, so the the mean green machine, we made jokes about this also, uh, was able to do something that Archie Miller was never able to do in Mackey Arena, and that is to beat number Purdue. Obviously, a number four seed there, the second high, highest seeded Big Ten team, to fall in overtime in a mid major. North Texas, the winner of Conference USA, has two stars, JV and Hamlet and Thomas Bell. Similar to Oral Roberts, North Texas has a nice pathway to potentially reach the Sweet 16 because, uh, again, Villanova, you know, and I know they're missing a few of their very key players, and we can, we can give that as their excuse, but they, yes, they beat Winthrop, but I think a lot of people uh, didn't look for that to happen. I have to admit that I was one of those people who have Villanova uh, uh, moving on, but that's I'm not that confident after watching them yesterday. Unfortunately, my bracket's already in, in, in sight. So North Texas, I think they're definitely for sure a Sweet 16 if they don't get any further than that. You know, two teams that I, that I saw, you know, no, no surprises here, just did exactly what they were supposed to do, uh, you know, played ball that they were supposed to. And that's Baylor and legit. Baylor and legit, too legit to quit. Baylor and Illinois look legit. I mean, I think they're the, the, the two number one seeds in action Friday that looked impressive against number 16 opponents. As expected, the Bears, 23-2, and two, uh, hammered Hartford by 24 points. Now, at the very beginning, we, we saw that maybe there was some struggling going on, but that did not last very long. While the fighting alumni of Illinois, 24-16 rolled Drexel by 29. Both teams shouldn't have trouble getting past the second round opponents either, uh, for that matter. So I think right now we got we got a pretty good pass uh, for Baylor and for Illinois. So we saw a lot of uh, brackets get busted yesterday. We saw a lot of games that, that, that came down to came down to the buzzer. We saw over over overtime games. You know, but here's the other thing. We look at some of these other teams. Syracuse and Oregon don't look like double digit seeds. The number eleven seeded Orange. They were seventeen and nine. They squeezed into the field as a bubble team, and the number twelve seeded Beavers, eighteen and twelve, uh, played their way into the field by winning uh, by a field of sixty-eight. Now let's look at Oregon State and who they beat. They beat Tennessee. We talked about this a little bit earlier on in the show. 
The thing about it is Tennessee did not play how we know them to play. They weren't in, they didn't play like a number five seed and they got beat. But there again at the same time, Oregon State could be one to to to, to look out for. We'll see we'll see what happens. Obviously, um uh they, they've got um They've got Oklahoma State coming up, uh, which took care of business against Liberty yesterday as well. And Liberty is another team that we look at, you know, starting the season off very well. And uh, it, it didn't it didn't pan out that way for Liberty. Liberty just got beat. I mean, at the end of the day, they just got gassed. So how are your brackets holding up? If you want to talk about your brackets, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We're going to be talking here in a few minutes with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Um, and we're going to be talking about the races down in Atlanta. Also, see how his bracket's doing in and checking in with him. And obviously, he's a Florida State fan who's a number four seed. They play this afternoon. Should be no problems for them uh, to to move on to the second round. And we'll we'll see how how, how that uh, uh, plays out. Make sure that you're following us on social media at T Balance and follow us on Facebook, The Balance. It's real easy uh, to do. Just uh, go there. And if you're listening to us here on the podcast. That means that you've, our live show's already over with, but the good thing about it is our live show is the podcast, so uh, all you have to do is hit subscribe there, and then anytime we load up a new show, which is every Saturday, uh, the podcast is right there for you, wherever you get your podcast at, whether that's Stitcher or whether that's TuneIn or whether that's Apple Podcast, really, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. It's relatively uh, simple to do. Let's talk about some uh, Final Four dark horses, if you will. You know, my cousin's a big Arkansas fan, and he picked uh, them to go all the way. As we learned yesterday with Tennessee, it uh, may not always be the best thing to do uh, is to pick your favorite team to go all the way. But one of the things I will tell you, there were two teams that I feel like that really uh, – uh, came out and showed themselves as as maybe a possible Final Four dark horse, uh, and that's Arkansas and Texas Tech. Again, we talked about Texas Tech earlier, how well they played there in Assembly Hall, and also maybe the possibility of Chris Beard being the next IU coach. Obviously, that's a, another conversation for another day, but both the Ra- Razorbacks and the Red Raiders were playing against mid-major Cinderella candidates, if, if you will. And so it, it was good to see. So I really wasn't surprised that they moved on, but they did a great job uh, on doing that. Uh, I, I, I think that they're maybe a sleeper uh, pick for the Final Four. Uh Maybe, yeah, even over Illinois or Baylor. Uh, I mean, Coach Eric Muselum uh, showed that he knows how to fluctuate the game pace in a 17-point win over Colgate, and that's not the toothpaste. That's actually a school trivia time. Who could tell me where Colgate is located at? New York. I looked it up yesterday because I have no had no idea. Those are the those are the type of teams that that we look at. But certainly, Arkansas, 
And Texas Tech, I think, again, emerge as uh, as a Final Four dark horse. What, let's talk a little bit about Oklahoma State. It's more of a – it's more than Cade Cunningham, sort of, I guess. Uh, the 6'8 point guard, a first-team All-American expected to be the number one pick in the NBA draft, has the ability to uh, dazzle the tournament's main star, to be the tournament's main star. We'll see what happens with that. The the, the uh the jury is still up that it's still out there on that. But, you know, we, we heard uh, Adam earlier talk about about him as well. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We're going to be talking with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest uh, here in just a few moments. Give us a call, 917-889-8516. So we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke town. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by a barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vents. We were Jesus, save me, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, fade a little map dot New York to LA. We were teenage dreaming, front seat leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. 
Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lequa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. If I turn on my mic, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark Vassell, President Day 9178516 is our digits. We are talking March Madness. We've been talking about it all day long. Getting ready to jump into some NASCAR talk with Steve Wilson here in just a moment. Thank you to Adam Jividen, super uh, Ohio State fan, uh, talking with us uh, about that huge loss yesterday to Oral Roberts, as well as uh, other uh, round one action. Talking with Walt Ferber from WITZ down in Jasper, as well as uh, ESPN Plus and uh, voice of the Evansville Aces. And uh, we're getting ready to be joined with us. Now is uh, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor and Florida State fan. Steve Wilson, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Hey, fantastic. Always always good on, on a on a on a weekend when we can watch basketball and racing. <laughs> so your Florida State so Seminoles play today. What are your thoughts? Uh I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean uh, really, uh against UNC UNC Greensboro, I think. I'm doing it off the top of my head. Um yeah, that's it. Greensboro. So I, I should be a good right. Game. I mean, 
Well, we certainly saw a lot of good games yesterday. Did you get a chance to watch any of those games yesterday? No, I was sidetracked a little bit yesterday, but I heard about, you know, Ohio State deal last night. That seemed like a pretty crushing loss, but what is it like they had to go back to, was it 74 years or something like that since they beat somebody? Yeah, in the, exactly. In the first one? Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, we saw we – saw we saw Purdue get beat yesterday uh, by North Texas, and that was the first time they had ever won a uh, a game against uh, in the in the in the uh, NCAA tournament. So we'll, we'll see what happens as today as the day goes on. NASCAR, though, let's talk a little bit about them. They're down in Hotlanta, I believe. What are your thoughts going on this weekend in racing action, sir? Well, you know, I think uh, Atlanta is one of those tracks that it, it's. They haven't paved this track since the 90s, so it's 20-something odd years old on pavement that they're going to be racing around. Tires are going to be a premium, just like they are when they go to a place like Darlington with high tire wear. Um, so you're going to get some slipping and sliding around. And um, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be warm enough to, you know, like it is in Darlington, to get the, get the cars to really um, break loose. But, um, you know, it, it'll, be a, it'll definitely be an issue um, – pretty quick into some of these runs with, uh, you know, the tires. I think last year when we were, not last year, but year prior, because uh, last year we were going into the one year of them bailing on the race because of COVID. Uh, but, you know, two years ago when they were there, it, it doesn't take very long. I mean, we're only talking five, seven, eight laps before we start, you know, losing a tenth or more second a lap. And, you know, quarter, halfway through the, the run, you're already – uh, one and a half, two seconds down. So, um, you know, that's tires are going to be a premium, and uh, it's going to be the same issue all weekend long. Now, today with a, a double header back to back with the truck and Xfinity series there, uh, that helps out a little bit because they can lay some tire down, uh, they can lay some rubber down and you know back that with another race. But tomorrow they're going to sit on that track for quite a while before. Um, you know, and some of that's going to wash off overnight. Uh, and, you know, NASCAR is going to prep the track and do all the things that they have to do. But um, I, I, I like coming to places like this. I like coming to tracks that are uh, rough, that they're not, uh, you know, uh, in perfect condition. And, you know, it, it really shows that, you know, there are drivers out there that have to control their cars but also have tire management at the same time. Certainly, let's talk a little bit. Let's go through the series, if you will. Let's start with the truck series and the uh, trucks Xfinity double hit. We got the truck and the Xfinity, sorry, double header today on Saturday. Let's start with the truck race and give us a preview and what are we looking for in today's truck race? Oh, uh, yeah, there's. Well, obviously, this is just going to be, you know, a Kyle Busch type of race that I think we're going to see, uh, you know, it, it, with Don Hunter Nemechek earlier, earlier, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's, uh, it, it was a third, he's only been in three starts for Kyle Busch, but sports and already won in that truck. So, uh, and then you, then you also got, uh, you know, Kyle that's going to be in the race also. So, you know, these are, these are going to be things that, you know, that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to look at and, um, it, it, you know, it's, you know, I think it's just, you know, uh, uh, you know, Kyle has been there before. He's won there before. He finished second just a couple of weeks ago at, uh, from, him, from Kyle finished second a couple of weeks ago, um, 
behind John Hunter Nubichek. So, you know, uh, I think we'll be watching a lot of that today for sure. Um, and then Nubichek himself, I mean, he won back in 2016 at this track. And, uh, you know, you got Matt Crafton and Brett Moffat, right, and Finger in the last couple of years that have won there. Talking with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, let's move on over to the, the other race this evening there in Atlanta, and that's the Echo Park 250 in the Xfinity Series. Uh, what say you, sir? Uh, obviously, we're looking at Austin Sendrick, uh, Burton, uh, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Brown, uh, and um, all within the, the top of the starting grid there uh, in the Echo uh, 250. Echo Park 250, sir. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you take a look at the last couple of weeks or really in the Xfinity Series race, and it seems like college racing is, is the dominant factor in all of this. Junior Motorsports has just seemed to um, just really just been in bad and terrible situations in the entire year. Last week, um, pretty much their entire fleet was knocked out in Phoenix. Uh, I mean, the first car was knocked out within the first three or four or five laps there at Phoenix, and the, the day didn't go any better for the rest of them uh, throughout it. Josh Berry also was wrecked and so on. So, you know, th- this has been an issue for Junior uh, Motorsports this, uh, this year in the first couple of handful of races this, of the year. But it's voted pretty well for, uh, you know, Colleg Race and A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, he's he's won already this year. He's looking for the championship. He's coming back full time. Um, but you also have you know teammate Jeff Burton that uh, Jeb Burton. <laughs> I think about Jeff Burton back in the, <laughs> back in the day when <laughs> too many Burtons you know around. Uh, but you also had Jeff yeah, Burton yeah. Uh-huh. running for running for them, and you know uh, their entire fleet comes in every week, and we we have to look at them, and they are very much championship contenders along with Justin uh, Justin Haley. Um, they just, you know, they, they seem to, whatever is working for them this season, I know that they've got a lot of backing from uh, help from Richard Childress Racing working out of their shops up there. But, you know, they, they seem to just really turned it up this year, and every week we seem to be talking about them. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, but that that will continue to be again today. We're, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, the college racing teams, A.J. Allmendinger, Jeb Burden, and Justin Haley, and, uh I think it's, you know, while it's kind of early in the season, just going back to my previous point, I mean, Junior Motorsports is going to have to kind of step their game up because, you know, you can't keep you, know, you can't keep uh, uh, wrecking cars every week and try and make it into the championship later on this year. You know, we saw an interesting story get sidetracked here for a little bit here, but I, you know, I saw this story and I thought, man, is this just clickbait and trying to get me to, to click on something and to look at it? But I guess this is a real deal, and it's not just happening in NASCAR; it's happening with with other uh, sports as well. But NASCAR informed two, uh, teams on Tuesday that they'll be working with the 360 Canine Group, <laughs> excuse me, this weekend at the Atlanta Motor Speedway to use COVID, uh, uh, COVID-detecting dogs as an additional screening measure. And I guess uh, all all three national series are in action this weekend. The, the specialized detection dogs will be used for the Cup Series race on Sunday, March 21st. Personnel will go through their, their initial pre-entry screening process in the infield, and the dogs will be located using used for entering the garage area. I guess they've been very successful with other sports. This just seems a little uh, 
uh, sci-fi for me, but I guess it's it's true. What do you know about COVID detecting dogs? Well, you know, I, I can kind of speak a little bit to that beyond there. As um, you know, my dad he used to train um, police canines way back in the day, so you know, I, I oh, remember nice. him. Yeah, so teaching me a lot about, you know, well, not only that, but field dogs. He trained field dogs and things like that. So, um, you know, they, they've used they've used canines. The, the canines, and I don't know the specific type that they're going to use, whether it's a hound or, you know, German Shepherds or something like that, or, you know, when they're another breed. But, uh, you know, hounds, hounds in general, they their smelling is exponentially more over than human. They they're smelling their palates that they can smell and they can detect or um, forgive me. I don't remember the exact terminology behind it. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, kind of BS my (laughs) terminology and butcher it all up. um, You know, (laughs) so so dogs in general, they, they can smell scents that, that humans cannot, um, you know, they're, they're pretty much on par of, you know, which which you would find in, you know, like a, a, a testing machine or something like that. But anyways, um they 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 have the ability to do this. I mean they've used them for cancer, they've used them for other uh, obviously bomb sniffing dogs, chemical sniffing dogs, um, drug sniffing dogs and so on. And I mean this isn't the first time that dogs have been used for a medical grade type uh detection. I mean this this has been going on for, for quite some number of years and there's dogs that are specifically uh, trained for this. And I mean we, we even hear that <clears throat> excuse me, we even hear dogs that uh, that that have virtually no training at all, um, you know, alerting their owners to, to different scents or even to medical conditions. And, and, and you know we see we see dogs and stories all the time of, of of owners that you know the dog seems concerned and find out that there's something wrong with with the person and you know had it not been for the dog they either he wouldn't have escaped the fire or they wouldn't have uh, found out that there was something medically wrong with him or you know even seizures I mean dogs are even trained now uh, to uh, to look for signs of seizures and I mean these these are all things that that dogs have been uh, trained to do and even dogs that aren't trained to do it and uh, just because of the what their their palate that they can smell um, you know is, is something exponentially more than what humans can so you know I think what NASCAR is really attempting to do in all of this is try to speed the process up as well as try to get back to normal uh, yes NASCAR could could PCR test everybody, but that takes time. Um, and, you know, they're they're trying to look for ways that should they go back to a more um, to a more open situation where they're they're allowing more people to come into the garage, whether that's teams or whether that's fans in general. They're just looking for ways to, to open it up and have a faster process into doing so. So I think this is one of one of the things that, you know, that they are looking at and, you know, hopefully they'll continue to experiment with their different um, uh, equipment or situations or dogs or whatever the case may be that, you know, could potentially get the, the garage back and op- open at least somewhat to a normal functioning state. 
So let's talk a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, some of the drivers in, in the starting lineup for tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's race there in Atlanta. Obviously, we got Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex, JG2 Toyota starting up front there, along with Joey Logano and Brad Koloski and Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson. Uh, which Kyle Larson, I guess, is also going to be racing truck uh, as well. You can, you can speak to that here in just a moment if you want. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Harvey, Christopher Bell, and another Toyota, William Byron and Ryan Blaney all round out the top 10 for tomorrow's race in Atlanta. Yeah, so I mean, we, we, you look at some of these, uh, some of the guys that are up there and the way that they're starting, but you also look at the fact that in the first five races of this year, we've had five different winners. Um, we have to go back over two decades or nearly two decades um, to uh, see 10 different winners in the first 10 different races. And I mean, this, this season seems to uh, kind of have a lot of those cues in the fact of, you know, maybe we may, I don't know if we'll get close to 10 different winners at 10 different tracks this year. I think that will be incredibly hard. Um, but I do think that, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I do think that, you know, we have at least maybe one or two um, more uh, first-time winners or first-time winners, uh, you know, for this season. Um, but, you know, Denny Hamlin, Wayne Byron, uh, Kyle Larson is, has been strong for, for Hendrick Motorsports, Chase Elliott. Uh, you know, all of these guys, these, these, we're starting to see kind of uh, – Excuse me. We're starting to see kind of rounding out the top five, top ten, top twelve or so um, that we're going to start be talking about each and every week. And as we start to go back to these tracks, to start with as soon as we go to places like Martinsville or Richmond or uh, and so on down the line, I think Bristol will be kind of a somewhat of a, a misnomer in this and and who's going to win. Um, you know, some of these guys have not been on dirt in a very long time, so. Uh, you know, but aside from that, I think we will start talking about the same usual suspects over and over each and every week uh, as now that the season is becoming more defined. We're talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR co- contributor. Steve, let's talk a little, we talked a little bit about this uh, a few weeks ago, but that's the inspection issues. Do you think that we've got those resolved as we get ready for Atlanta? As Certainly that is a huge track to release at. And, and we've, we're seeing problems, especially a lot of problems in post-race inspections as well. What kind of problems are being resolved or being addressed when it comes to this inspection issue? Well, it's it's unfortunately just one of those things that all these teams are trying to push the limits, and I think you know what what we are seeing in a lot of cases is again, and I'm trying not to speculate exactly, you know what teams are and aren't doing, but you know it, it's you know team teams you know they, a lot of these races are won and lost on pit road. Uh, with NASCAR really putting a premium on restarts, you, you need to get up one or two or three or four or five, six, seven positions. And we, we see drivers uh, picking up as many as 12, 12 or more spots sometimes on pit road just because of uh, little things that they're doing. And some of those little things could be as, as little as uh, not tightening down all the lugs all the way. And, I mean, that tenth or two uh, out of a pit stop can be the matter of – restarting in the first handful of uh, first handful of positions or it could be you know deeper 10 12 15th position 
and, and you know it's it's really getting tough on pit road. Um, you know these these are you know specifically trained athletes to do what they have to do each and every week. But again, I'm not I'm not saying that this is what they're doing. But I mean, they, you know, pit stops have typically come a premium in a lot of these places, and uh, you know, restarts, uh, you know, re- re- getting a good restarting position and uh, and being able to to do some of the things like we saw last week. I mean, Brad Keselowski, you know, right on the first lap. I mean, he goes straight all the way down to the wall to try and maintain, uh, you know, that that front row um, restart or that front row. Um, you know, through the first green flag last week. And, I mean, we saw other drivers trying to do the same thing, and it just becomes incredibly tough. Um, so uh, as far as it getting resolved, I think this will just be something that we continue to see. Um, and, you know, when we get to the single lug net next, next year in NASCAR, I, you know, teams aren't going to have a choice basically on – how many lug nuts that they that they um, you know tighten, and if NASCAR is fine and that they're not tightening down the signal lug nut on these cars next year, I think that the 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 penalties that they're going to be exposed to next year will be far greater than what they are right now. You know, we look at Brad Koloski having a pretty solid year so far this year uh, and has, has really run consistently up in the top ten. Uh, Brad Koloski, uh, is he a, a contender for the championship this year? Um, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think both him and Joey Logano are, are potential contenders, um, you know, I think it just really comes down to later on in the season as we start to go um, through some of these uh, um, through the summer series and uh, the road courses. I think um, <clears throat> what you'll see is when you get to places like uh, Coda and Road America and places like that. I think uh, I think you know we may see some shuffling of that. Um, and I think we may see a lot of shuffling in general. Um, but, yes, I, I, I mean, Brad Kozlowski seems to be a, a, a driver that, um, you know, we don't talk about him winning every other week, but he seems to be pretty consistent in what he's doing week in and week out um, to to finish these races and stay out of trouble. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing the things that need to be done. But as far as going forward in the season, I, I think it, I think it's going to be a battle between him and Joey Logano as to who makes it, you know, down to the cutoff or even makes it into Homestead. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes see Joey Logano as – uh, last couple of years uh, has, uh, you know, figured this system out, and you know, Brad Kozlowski has figured out some of the, some of the tracks such as like Talladega and things like that. So, you know, I think they each work off of one another, and Penske is a is a is a strong organization, and I think they have tough competition to go up against. But, um, you know, he he continues to stay consistent week in and week out. Kevin Harvick's winding down his career. Uh, what can we expect from Kevin Harvick in 2021? Is he still the power player that he once was? What are your thoughts on Kevin Harvick? Well, as far as Stuart Hart Motorsports, he is. Uh, he, he's very much a power player over there. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of young talent that's coming up behind him, Custer and um, uh, uh, Custer is, is, is over there now. He got a, uh, Brusco that just came up this year, um, you know, both of these, both of these are two drivers. These are like two of the big three drivers that we talked about just two years ago, uh, uh, winning every other race along with Christopher Bell. So they have a little ways to come, and I and I think you know Christopher Bell while while he's he's uh 
he's already won for Joe Gibbs Racing on that side. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think um, I, I think it with with uh, Harvick's uh, veteran status over there, he has a lot to teach these drivers. He has a lot to teach them before he leaves out of there. I think as long as he continues to stay competitive like he is, has a chance to win races, um, then then he'll continue to stay over the next, uh, you know, one or two. Or I, I, I don't really, honestly, I don't even know how long he'll stay. Maybe he'll stay longer than one or two or three years. But um, as long as he continues to be, do- as, as long as he continues to be, um, competitive like he is as long as Stuart Haas Racing continues as an organization to be competitive overall um, I, I think he'll continue to stay over there and teach some of these drivers like uh, Briscoe and Custer uh, to take over for uh, the mantle for uh, Stuart Haas Racing in, in the near future and as far as when he does retire uh, I honestly think uh, that he will finally make the transition over to television and uh, uh, you know I think you know we've seen him on, on TV but uh, and he seems to be a driver that can step out of the cockpit of the car and explain what's going on to the TV viewers, but in a relatable way also. And, you know, he, he's somebody I kind of equate sometimes to Benny Parsons, who was probably the master at getting out of the mm-hmm. car um, and going on radio or TV and being able to uh, really uh, tell the viewers at home what's going on in a way that they can understand. And Harvick seems to have that ability about him also. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. Check him out over there. A lot of great articles over there. As Steve is our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, Chase Elliott, how hard is it going to be for him to defend his uh, uh, championship and his uh, na- national title? Um, I don't know yet. I I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, don't, don't count him out because uh, – Chase Elliott seems to be uh, a master road racer, and with us going to more road courses this year, uh, we're going to get to go back to Watkins Glen. Sonoma seems like it's a it's a go. Road America, Coda, uh, the Roval, etc. Um, yeah, don't count him out because if he can uh, if he can uh, take those road mastering skills that he's uh, developed. Uh, and, and win some of those races. I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be pretty competitive, or you know he he's going to be able to lock himself down pretty good into this championship this year. But you know anything can happen. You know that's that's why we race every week. But uh, you know Chase is a uh, is a driver that yeah I I just think I think you'll have to look for him and and, and think the schedule works well for him. And with all of this combined, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think he he has a pretty good opportunity to do so. Another guy to keep your eye on to watch this year is William Byron. I am seeing his uh, power rankings uh, go up and his stock going up. William Byron, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, William Byron is a is a is a kid that didn't take the traditional route in into NASCAR. He didn't start in quarter midgets and midgets and late models and so on and you know, start from, you know, when he was, you know, three or four years old like some of these drivers do now. Um, you know, he it's taken him time to develop but also uh, I think he's got good people around him over there. He still has Jeff Gordon as a mentor over there at Hendrick Motorsports that are uh, really looking after him. He still gets the the uh, you know the the 
being able to work with Jimmy Johnson to some degree, even though that he's been retired. And I think, you know, you know, these things are, are the things that uh, William Byron has, has really been, uh, he's got the right people around him. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely going up in the rankings. He won, a, he won at Homestead just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it looked like when others were about to dominate that race, he came out of nowhere, and towards the end, he was the dominant factor in that race. So, um, yeah, his his rankings are going up, and his prospects continue to go up, and uh, I think we'll see him in that 2014 for quite some time. Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500, and, and obviously it was the first win he'd ever gotten. And, and probably if you didn't really follow NASCAR too deeply, you didn't really know who Michael McDowell is. But I think – I, of course, anytime you can win the Daytona 500 or the Indianapolis 500 or any big race like that, and you get your mark, you, you're going to be noticed a little bit more. People are going to know your name and know who you are. But I think more than that, with Michael McDowell, he's having a pretty consistent year, uh, week in and week out after uh, the Daytona 500. Doesn't seem like there's much of a, of a, a Daytona 500 win hangover for Michael McDowell. No, it really hasn't. I mean, they've gone each and every week. Um, aside from last week was was one of was first week that they uh, did not uh, finish in top ten. Um, and uh, well, no, sorry, the week before I think, Las Vegas. Las Vegas also first three weeks they finished in top ten. Um, uh, right after that date, sorry, <laughs> right after that date in the five hundred one. No. But Vegas and Phoenix, I mean, he finished. Uh, uh, I think it was. Uh, 17th at uh, Vegas a couple weeks ago, um, Phoenix last week, 20-something. 20, 20 um, but but they're exponentially better than they have in the past. I mean, you take a look at uh, uh, Furniture Row. Uh, furniture Row. What, 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 <laughs> motorsports, man. I, some of these teams, I, I, you know, I get them confused. Um but oh, yeah. he he's working. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Front Row Motorsports, I mean, they won a couple of years ago at uh, Talladega with Michael McDowell running right behind David Reagan. So, I mean, you know, when you go to these uh, these play tracks, they, you know, it's kind of the great equalizer. And it seems that, you know, they, they, you know, between them winning and between them, you know, finishing right behind one another in uh, the, uh, the, um, the race at Talladega a couple of years ago, right, right behind Dave Reagan. Um, I think their average starting, the, the average finish in this year is like 11th or 12th this year, which is like double what it was last year. I think they were they were consistently basically running in the mid 20s last year. But even if you take into account the last two weeks, uh, what is it? I mean, they're like 11th or 12th on average finishing for that team. And I mean, they've got Drew Blinkenstarver, and that guy has been around for a while. And I mean, he worked with Matt Kansas. And he worked a long time over at Roush Fenway Racing, so they get a lot of their equipment from Roush Fenway. So, you know, there are deep connections that, you know, they can uh, hop in these cars and work with the teams and Roush Yates Motors. And, you know, I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to give it to him. I mean, they're they're having a really, really good year. Talking with Steve Wilson from uh, Speedway Digest. Steve, why we still got you here for a little bit, a few more minutes here. As we look at Atlanta, Atlanta is one of those tracks, to, like a lot of tracks that we look at, but certainly Atlanta is a, a track where 
you really kind of have to, to watch your P's and Q's, if you will. And the last thing you want is, A, to either be caught up in the middle of the big one or to be cause of the big one. You want, you want to be up in front of the big one when it happens or behind it, it when it happens. And, and I think Atlanta is one of those tracks where we can say it's not if we'll see the big one, it's when the big one. Uh, so talk with us about how, how much of an impact the big one could have, have in Atlanta this weekend. Well, again, it comes down to some of my previous statements about, you know, the t- the track is worn out. And, I mean, these, these tires, they give up pretty quickly when they come to a place like Atlanta. Nothing Goodyear has been able to do or is able to do at this point is going to combat the fact of, you know, they're they're basically running on sandpaper at, at 190-plus miles an hour around this track. So, um, you know, the tires get torn up again pretty quickly. A couple, couple laps in, you're already flipping and sliding around, losing a or two a second, and uh, you know it's it's hard to control the cars. I do think that we may not see as much as much of that flipping and sliding around that that results into some of these accidents as we will when we go back later on this year with Atlanta getting a second race. Um, you know, Atlanta seems to be a place that when it gets hot, it really gets slick, and that's when really that's when we really start to see some of the incidents occur. Uh, with it being a cooler temperature this time of year, yes, we're going to see cars move, and move around, but we're also not going to see uh, as much that is going to end up in some of these wrecks. Um, you know, but also the the other the other thing with Atlanta too is is if we get any of these long green flag runs, um, some, this field is going to get stretched out pretty pretty far. So, um, you know, we may see a lot of single car wrecks if we get uh, long green flag runs um, at Atlanta, and I think you know that that's you know again with with cooler temperatures um, that might be the way this race ends up going both both today and tomorrow. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about Kyle Larson and joining the, the truck field in Bristol uh, next week. Uh, Kyle Larson is an ideal fit uh, for a, a dirt track and certainly a, a truck. Uh, certainly when he went during his suspension with NASCAR, that's all he did was dirt track racing. He, that's, his, that's his thing. Kyle Larson is the latest NASCAR Cup uh, Series driver with plans to run the double duty out on the dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway next weekend. Well, yeah, when when he was suspended by NASCAR um, and taken out of the car and he went dirt track racing, it, you know, is one of those things every other week. It's like, oh, look, Kyle Larson won again. Oh, wait a minute, he won three times this weekend. Oh, he won on a Wednesday night. I mean, it was like every other day we <laughs> heard that Carl Larson was winning somewhere. So, yes, he, he is the perfect right. example of somebody that – that is going to come in and is going. He's going to be a really, really tough person to race against at a place like, a, you know, a, like like Bristol on that dirt. Um, but you you know you throw in some of these other drivers like Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon just won just a, in, in a in the dirt nationals at Bristol a couple nights ago. Uh, he's going to be in on this thing. Bob Wallace is going to be on this thing. Uh, you've got. Uh, uh, you've got Chase Elliott is going to be on this thing. I mean, the 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 litany of drivers that are going to be coming in now. Some of these, admittedly, are getting in on this race uh, just because they haven't raced on dirt in quite some time. But there are some legitimate dirt drivers. You know, Christopher Bell was another one. There are some legitimate dirt drivers that are going to be really tough to contend against. Um, you know, both next weekend uh, in the truck series race, we, when a lot of these cup drivers come down and, and try and uh, race uh, race in that race, but also on on 
uh, on the next Sunday when they race on dirt. So, you know, it, it's going to be tough. It really is. But I think, you know, Kyle Larson is really a tough individual when it comes to racing on dirt. And so is Christopher Bell for that fact. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think there's a lot of drivers out there that are just going to make it really, really tough. Uh, on, uh, you know, racing on dirt when the NASCAR Cup Series finally returns. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor, joins us. Steve, we appreciate you joining us. Obviously, I just told everybody, but where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at Facebook, uh, sorry, at Speedway Digest, on Facebook.com. So that's Speedway Digest at SpeedwayDigest.com. Well, your Florida State plays at 1245 today, sir. So I, I hopefully will, they'll do well getting past the round one. Well, I hope so. All right, Steve. You have yourself a good weekend. Thank you. Take, take care. Uh, Steve Wilson, uh, Speedway Digest, joins us and talks a little, a little bit about uh, NASCAR in Atlanta. We've been talking all day about round number one. It's a March Madness, and it all continues. First game at 12:15, Colorado uh, kicks things off with us at Colorado and Georgetown. And uh, so we talked about that game. We talked a lot about all the games. Thank you, Adam Jividens, Super uh, Ohio State Buckeye fan, uh, Walt Ferber of WITZ down in Jasper, ESPN Plus, and voice of the Evansville Aces down there. Certainly a, a uh, been around the broadcast industry for a long time. And also appreciate Steve Wilson uh, for joining us and breaking down some NASCAR action in the news of, of NASCAR as we roll into Atlanta, both the Xfinity uh, Race Series and the Truck Series, all on the track today. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Make sure you're following us at T-Balance. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, just hit uh, subscribe. And then, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have us. You'll have us right there and ready to go. My name is Tom Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces.